the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, well, here we go, round two. Anthony Weenie, yours truly, Curtis Lee. And uh, some breaking news with all the problems going on in New York City involving migrants, the new executive order. We'll get into it momentarily. Uh, Anthony Weiner, my news czar of immigration services, uh, will uh, get into what you would do. And and bus turning around, the office of bus turning around, whatever that is. Right, the office of bus turning around. I like that. Uh, but the mayor, Eric Adams, swagger man, that's what his two years in office have been known as. He's the man with swagger, the nightlife mayor. So what does he do in the midst of all this demonstrations going on, migrant issues, investigations involving his administration? He decides to introduce a new initiative, which he announced today called the Coordinating a United Resolution with Establishments, the acronym is CURE. First off, I would suggest that City Hall get together a much better... Uh, with establishments? Yeah. That's how they got the E? Coordinating a united resolutions with establishments. Why don't they make the E everybody or Earth? Well, <laughs> the establishments mean, you know, private clubs, uh, discos, Oh, bars. I thought this was an immigration thing. All right, go ahead. I'm sorry. Now, it requires local police precincts to speak with owners or managers about possible violations before they come in, padlock them, and close them down. And the guy that we said, where are you, Eddie Caban, the police commissioner who has, like, been missing with all the chaos in the streets? He has signed off on this and said, yes, we're no longer closing down clubs. We're no longer going to go in and use the uh, force of the police department to deal with noise abatement or shootings or drug dealing on the premise. We're going to come in and sit down and talk with the club owners first. Eddie Caban should have recused himself. His brother, Richard, owns the liquor license to Consofrito. The biggest club up in the Bronx, it's owned by Jimmy Rodriguez, who can't even acquire a liquor license himself. Come on, guys. Like, you don't have enough corruption going on in City Hall. Here's the problem. And I know it sounds great. Come on, guys. And I know it sounds great. Give them a warning. Give them a talking to. This is corruption waiting to happen. The reason you don't have things like this is you're making it a judgment call on whether they shut someone down, give them a ticket, or take enforcement action. It's just going to be too tempting and too many opportunities for corruption. All right, I like this guy. I, I know this club. The guy was nice to me. The guy you know, fed me a cheeseburger while I was there, so I'm going to give him a warning. The other guy, maybe I don't like so much, so I'm going to give him a ticket. This is the problem. What's complicated about government, I know people say, oh, you shouldn't crack down. It's true. Small businesses have it really bad in this town, and I think we should be much easier. I think too many regular, too many city council. You, you want to, if you ever visit New York City for the out-of-towners, look behind the cash register at your neighborhood diner. You have like 200 different notices that city councilmen going back, you know, you'll have one back there saying microwave in use if you're pregnant. I swear this is still on the books. So the problem is if you say to people, all right, give them authority just to give them warnings or give them a stiff talking to, you're going to have the problems. And then you have Kev Caban and his relationship with nightlife, the mayor and his relationship with nightlife. You know, 2024 is going to be the year of petty corruption if they try to do this kind of thing. I know it sounds good, 
And I don't want small businesses getting whacked with tickets either. But once you start saying we're going to go talk to them, we're going to go to have conferences with them, you're just opening it up for now, trouble. Notice how you came to that conclusion, and yet we differ uh, in many ways politically. I came to that conclusion right away. It is so obvious it's right in your face. We've been looking for the police commissioner, Eddie Cavani. He's missing in action. He's out of town. Eddie, with none of all these police acts, we don't see him. He now surfaces to say that this is a great thing, that the police are no longer going to go in and padlock establishments, hit them up for noise abatement because they're causing quality of life problems in the neighborhood. They really are, unless no, it's true. the owners and operators really run a tight ship. And then he has his brother, who's the co-owner of one of these problematic spots, Consofrito. With Jimmy Rodriguez up off Westchester Avenue in the Bronx that all the politicals go to. And all the ballplayers go to also. Well, they used to. Ballplayers have been banned. Major League Baseball will not allow them to go to a Jimmy Rodriguez location ever since Jimmy's Cafe uh, on uh, West Fordham Road uh, right before you hit the bridge and go over to Harlem. So the mayor has been hanging out at Consofrito. He used to be just down at Club Zero Bond, which is down near the Wall Street area. Now he's up in the Bronx all the time at Consofrito with the police commissioner who shouldn't be there, Eddie Caban, whose brother is a co-owner because he's the only one who could qualify to have the state liquor license because Jimmy Rodriguez can't. I mean, this stinks to high heaven. This isn't an NYPD um, agency that they're creating, is it? It's probably Consumer Affairs, something like that. No, but it's always the local police commissioner that had to deal with these issues. Look, I don't think that because Caban's the police commissioner, his brother can't be in business. I do think, though, look, if you're hearing stories that there's an investigation going on around fire inspections, building inspections, this is just another form of an inspection. And I think it's always tough for the city because the city gets complaints. All big cities get complaints about loud nightlife. And I, I remember there was, there was a nightlife association. There still is in the, in the city. I think a guy named, uh, um, I want to say David Rabin used to run it. Maybe he still does. And one of the things that they always did is their local nightlife people would go out and always be meeting with the community. I think it's all great. I don't, I don't have a problem with Caban, it being the police department doing it. Just, you're just inviting oh, trouble. Absolutely. If you say to a business owner that someone coming through your door is going to talk to you, what is that code for? That's code for. We call it the scattle sandwich. Yeah, we want to have. Give me a nice loaf of Italian bread with dead presidents yeah, in it. Yeah, I want to have a little conversation in air quotes. I, this, I mean, this goes back to the NAP Commission. This goes back to the corruption of the police department, Sergeant Dirk Serpico, one of the many types of corruption that took place, bars, restaurants, gin mills, nightclubs, all of that. This is crazy. In a city in which we have so many other issues to deal with, but this caters to Eric Adams' friends because he truly is a nightlife man. Well, there's something else that happens here. We, You know in New York City we go through cycles with, with um, corruption, right? It come, we all crack down, then it comes back 20 years later or two or three mayors later, and then we all crack down again. There is a reason we don't have a structure like this, and it's because of past corruption scandals that we've had. And, and you made an interesting point. We led into this. Of all the times to be doing this, the U.S. attorney in the Southern District is investigating. We don't know what it is. It could be, it could be campaign related. It could be inspection, trading government services for contributions, whatever it is. I think this is kind of a tone-deaf thing to be Anthony, doing at this moment. You know who follows us is the guy who imposed these crackdowns 
the former mayor Rudy Giuliani, who I actually one of the few times I had disagreements with Rudy. Let me let me specify. Remember the famous gin mill downtown in the meatpacking district, Hogs and Heifers. Hogs and Heifers. Yeah, where was it? Uh, that was in the meatpacking district right off the by, West Side Highway. By Gansevoort, I think? Yeah, yeah right yeah. down there. And a lot of famous actresses and performers would go there, and they would dance on the bar, and they would hang their brassiere up there, and they had all these brassiers. Well, Michael Modicic, Rudy Giuliani, cracked down and said, no cabaret dancing. You couldn't even put quarters into a jukebox in a bar and get up, let's say, if you had your gal pal there and start dancing. It was a total crackdown. The nightclubs, though, were out of control because I was still going to some of them at the time. The noise was incredible. He had police officers with, like, Geiger counters who were right outside. And if they had too many decibels, that's it. You were fined and you were padlocked. And the people in the night uh, nightlife inter- industry cursed Rudy Giuliani at that time. But he said, look, at least it brought order because there were fights, Wait, shootings, Yeah, but here's dealing. the problem. Why did we have nightclubs next to in the meatpacking district? It's because you're not going to wake the dead sides of beef up. Then we started to build co- fancy condos and co-ops and, and the High Line and everything else. Part of running the city is realizing we have to have a little bit of everything. And just like there's this triangle out by Shea Stadium, listen to me, by City Field, the Iron Triangle, where that's where you go to find your car parts and your scrap metal and everything else, you need a little bit of everything. And all these clubs down by Gansevoort, who are you going to wake anyway? It's just a lot of guys carrying dead sides of beef. But the funny thing is, I remember that crackdown because – no one even knew you needed a permit. It was like something from the 1930s when they were trying to crack down on speakeasies. So no one even knew you needed a permit to dance, and everyone was like making fun of it. They were like, "What are you going to have? You're going to have dancing inspectors." But part, but part of it was that constant conflict between people who want to stay up late, make a lot of noise, and people who want to get a good night's well, sleep. Well, the biggest problem is you have club owners or people who own restaurants or bars where they would tell their private security, hey, if there's a problem inside, push it outside. Let them deal with it outside because then it's no longer our problem. It's not on our property. And what happened was it would spill into the neighborhood. Guys would go to their cars. That's where they would keep their guns. Then they would come back with the guns. And then all of a sudden created all kinds of chaos. A number of neighborhoods have quieted down substantially since then. This new initiative. From the nightlife mayor, Eric What's it Adams. called again? The, 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 the committee this on, on, got to change. on enterprises or oh something like God, that? Cure, it's right? the stupidest thing. Cure. Coordinating a united resolution with establishments. Oh, my God. That is the worst. That I wonder the which worst. genius at City Hall that gets credited now, for this. It's not as bad as Kevin George's ACDC, but it's pretty bad. That is pretty bad. Uh, and so you go from one extreme to the other. Okay, maybe the... Uh, the, the the place that you need is something in between, not the extreme of Rudy, who was like puritanical when he even came to dancing in a bar or a, a cabaret, but not like this. This goes back to the old days of the Nap Commission. I'm telling you, it's got it, Sergeant Dirk Serpico written it, all here, over it. Here is, the, here is the problem. And when yeah. you become mayor, you're going to try to fix this. You know who gives out liquor licenses in the city of New York to individual bars and individual clubs and individual restaurants, an agency in Albany, New York. Yeah, state liquor the, fa- the idea that that's not a local thing. If the locality had control over liquor licenses, they could really 
put some bite in the law. Then you'd, you'd say local community boards, you have a liquor license committee and you're going to, and you can bet the restaurant owners would be compliant. You can bet. But instead, like so many things in this city, we say, let's leave it up to someone up in Albany. That's the, that, that was the, that's patient zero of the mistakes that we made on, on managing nightlife with an ongoing investigation of city hall over corruption to do this now is really you're like spitting in the face of investigators saying hey you can't touch this like mc hammer said it's like eric has you can't touch me because my complexion is my protection guess what not Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Anthony Weiner, yours truly, Curtis Lewa. New rules and regulations announced executive order from City Hall yesterday by the mayor, Eric Adams, about bus schedules bringing migrants in. Apparently, he has learned from Chicago, which has already done this. I thought New York leads, others follow, but it's the Chicago attempt at a solution what are the new regulations, uh, Anthony? I don't think they're going to stick, to be honest with you, but it's basically saying if you want to bring a charter bus into New York City, you got to come between certain hours. you got to let us know in advance. The only problem with this is you can't make regulations based on who's on a bus. And we get – we have a bus terminal here. We have the Hamptons Jitney. We have buses left and right all coming and going out of the city all the time. We have buses that come on tours and all these different things. It's an idea about trying to make it harder for people, uh, harder for people like the, the governor of Texas to put people on buses here. Well, the specificity is you can only send your bus to the Port Authority, the only point of uh, where passengers can leave the bus. It must be 8 to 12 Monday through Friday, nothing on the weekend, uh, or you just can't drop them off, or they could potentially seize the bus, fine you, uh, you know. Yeah, but what's but any charter bus can't come in? Well, no, not any charter bus. A charter bus is coming from Texas. With <laughs> yeah, you can't do that. No, I understand. That. It doesn't work. But it sounds good, but it, it doesn't work. But here's, I get a much better idea. Well, a better idea. If you, the real problem is that people are getting on these buses, I believe, believing that they're getting a good deal. I think people, you know, remember, these people don't have to get on these buses. I'm sure someone is standing up when these people, now, if you turn on the TV and you see, you see people are lined up in a very orderly long lines because they're presenting themselves because they, once they present themselves, as, as requesting asylum in the United States, they get to stay until they well, have a fact, hearing. They call it, ironically, they parole you into the United yeah, States but, until you get your asylum here. So I believe that ed- echoing throughout the, the, the world in Latin America is that this plan works. What I think we've got to do, we being people that don't want them to, to do this, is to start saying loudly and clearly, you know, part of, the, part of it's your fault, Curtis. 
Why, why are you blaming me? Curtis, part of this is your, you keep saying into microphones on your 18 hours a day that you're on the air, we have an open border. We keep hearing Fox News say open border, open border, open border. What do you think if you're watching television and you're watching the news in Latin America, you're like, oh, there's an open border. What we should be doing is going down with a whole bunch, go to Kinko's. Is there Kinko's anymore? Go to whatever the print store is. Print out a whole bunch of pictures of what it looks like down at Floyd Bennett Field. Get a couple of statements from the people who have been at those things in Spanish saying this is the worst mistake I ever made coming here. We should go down to where the buses are departing from and try to divert people from getting on those buses in the first place. There is no doubt in my mind that whether it's the social service organizations, the governor, the state of Texas, people are enticing people to get on these buses by telling them stuff that ain't true. Now, we know that was the case when they flew into Martha's Vineyard under Ron DeSantis. They were told they'd be able to work. I guarantee people are being enticed to get onto these buses, and we should be trying to dissuade them. The one critique of Biden that I think is fair vis-a-vis this is he should be standing up, giving speeches, facing the southern border, and saying, don't come here. This ain't what you think. Now, I would concur with you if he could actually get through a speech without mumbling and stumbling so that all of a sudden anybody listening, because it would have to be Well, you're, all, you're, you're only happy if he calls he calls them vermin and saying that they're no. that we don't want you deli- diluting the blood of our people. Is no, that what you want to say? He, he oftentimes can't get out a clear sentence or get through a clear paragraph without stumbling and mumbling. When we come back, let's... I, I would suggest the vice president do it, but she can't seem to do it either. Without giggling. <laughs> I, you know what I'm saying? She giggles at the worst inappropriate times. When we come back, though... Let's dissect and bisect your plan because I'll tell you, no matter how many flyers you go out or how many uh, attempts at convincing you do, you can't beat the power of a cell phone and the video that even people have access to in third world countries. Because once they see what they don't have here, there ain't no stopping them. They're like, they're marching towards the border as we speak. Right here, it's the Greg Kelly Show on the Red Apple Audio Network, today featuring Anthony Weiner and yours truly, Curtis Sliwa. Greg Kelly, Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Anthony Weiner, yours truly, Curtis Sliwa. Before a czar of uh, immigration that I'm appointing you, uh, former Congressman Anthony Weiner, to try to resolve this issue uh, at the border. Uh, I'll tell you exactly how Governor Abbott gets around this new executive order by Eric Adams limiting charter buses. By the way, in one year's time, it's gone from your normal Greyhound bus, which is a disaster. Anybody who's taken Greyhound buses, you better hope that port of sand works in the back or you're all in trouble, to these They've chartered these, like, huge party buses. They're big. They carry a lot of people. So he's saying you, basically you can come to the Port Authority one place, one place only, Monday through Fridays. You must uh, uh, leave your passengers off from 8 to 12 and then go back to your primary destination. If not, we could seize the buses. We could fine you uh, any level of fines. So now if I'm the owners and operators of the charter buses, I say, I go to the uh, Abbott administration, I say, look, it's not, you're not putting your your skin on the line, it's us. They're going to take our buses, 
They're going to fine us infinitum. Are you going to pay it? No. So this is what happens. Remember, Abbott's whole thing is to stick it in the face of those cities and states that call themselves sanctuary cities, sanctuary states. That's what he's doing. Jersey, which is a sanctuary state and sanctuary city, has already protested when the Biden administration offered the use partially of Fort Dix. Murphy uh, objected. That's a federal facility. And the airport down in Atlantic City, a federal facility. Murphy objected, said, no, 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 we can't handle it. If I'm the charter bus uh, uh, operators, you drive the buses right to Jersey City, right opposite the Hudson. It's a sanctuary city. Uh, Mayor Fulop is there. He hopes to become the next governor because Murphy is term limited. He wants to win the Democratic primary to run in the general election, probably against Jack Citarelli. You deposit them right there. And you know what Jersey City's going to do? The Support Authority train right here will take you. We'll be your coyote. We'll take you to the Roosevelt Hotel in New York City. He's not going to take care of the uh, migrants in Jersey City or Hoboken or anywhere in Hudson County where the buses could leave you off without entering New York City space. Yeah, I think you're taking this too seriously. There's no authority that the city has to pull over a bus and say, all right, are there any migrants on this bus? There's the power. This is interstate commerce. That's why someone can have a Texas license plate and drive into Montana if they want to. You can't have states that that do that. It's first of all, it's in the Constitution, but also, practically speaking, cities can't do that kind of thing. You don't even have to do Jersey City. I mean, you can probably, you know, uh, uh, come through the Lincoln Tunnel and just leave them in the meatpacking or leave them um, in, in, well, in, in, in in Hell's Kitchen somewhere. What was happening when the Biden administration was flying the migrants in the Westchester County Airport uh, in the wee hours of the morning, they would get on buses. The buses would go the wrong way on the Hutchinson Expressway, you know, bells and lights, police escort, and they dropped them off at 103rd Street off Broadway in Corona, Queens, and then the people would depart, the bus would go back to Westchester County Airport and wait for the next night for them to come. So there are ways of doing it uh, in which you're basically operating under the radar screen in which you're going to drop these people off. Yeah, it's not it's it's you know, the way maybe our listeners should view it is if you have if you pick up a hitchhiker and you're driving into town and you say to the hitchhiker, where do you want to be dropped off? And they say, drop me off in this corner and you pull over and drop them off. Well, you're a bus. OK, it's a little more complicated than that. There's not much. A lot of this is about, look, Adam's doing it as symbolic. Uh, um, uh, the, 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 uh, the governor of Texas doing this is symbolic. Adam's doing, this is all symbolism. This is a bigger problem. But I think that if you want to really dissuade, people are coming to New York City because they're getting the free housing. True. But they're also coming to New York City. That's, you know, if you're coming from another country, you don't know a lot of other places. New York City seems like a place you're going to be able to find work, seems like a place you're going to be able to find benefits. You're going to be able to get back on your feet. It's where my, you know, my, my great grandfather didn't think about going to Tennessee. He thought about coming to New York City. So all of this is symbolic. The problem that I have, it's kind of late in the game for this kind of symbolism. If we really had this problem with these buses and you really wanted to make a point, I would go down to Texas. I would be meeting these buses where they are, and I'd be giving out flyers saying, listen, you can come to New York. There's no legal way we can stop you, but this is a flyer talking about what you – this a long list of things you ain't going to get when you get there. I should. Here's a picture of Floyd Bennett Field. 
Here's a quote from our mayoral candidate, Curtis Leo, about what he thinks about this situation. Here's a quote from someone who is just coming to New York saying that they regret it. you got to start fighting fire with fire. There's all these conceptions out there about what people are going to get when they get here to New York City that are not true. It's a pretty tough thing but that they're going to be You getting. already have thousands uh, who are queued up on the opposite side of the border in yes. Mexico, many other thousands who are marching towards the border. So let's say we do what you do. You actually have, uh, we'll call it scouts, uh, who go down there who are multilingual because they're people more than just from uh, Central America and uh, South America. They're coming in from the Saharan, sub-Saharan parts of uh, Africa. They speak French. They speak Arabic. The Chinese are there. It's a lot of different people now coming across the border. Okay, you give them the fly. They say, thank you. You convinced me not to go to New York City. But now they have other choices to go to other cities. So as as long as they don't come to New York City, you don't care. No, no. Here, here's we have a huge problem with immigration. That the entire funnel of what used to be B one visas, H one visas, all these different visas that we used to have to encourage people to come that had skills that we wanted to to make it easier for them to work to add to our economy. All of those are now at a standstill, and everyone is coming in through the asylum process, which was never intended to accommodate tens of thousands. It was intended to accommodate a boat like the USS St. Louis that was coming in a wartime to accommodate 20 or 30 or 50 at a time. They'd come. They'd have a hearing. They'd say, yes, you're eligible for asylum. You stay. If not, we send you home. Now our entire system is broken down. All right. So if you could, since you served in the House... You were the Democrat. The Republicans were on one side. At one point, they were very close in the Senate to having an agreement. You had John McCain on one side. You had Ted Kennedy on the other side. And you had others. They were close, but no cigar, no agreement. Uh, the Obama administration, they chose, let's focus on health care, not immigration. We had the majority there. What would you do to make it workable now without having to wait six months or a year? What could be done now Here's, to make this more manageable? Look, um, uh, Joe Biden said, give us money for Israel, money for Ukraine, money for Taiwan, and also money to hire a bunch more border officers, a bunch more hearing officers so we can not have a 10-year time that these people are waiting, maybe get it down. And also a bunch more technology to scan trucks and cars coming in that are bringing fentanyl. Fentanyl is not coming in in people's backpacks on the River Grand, on the Rio Grande. It's U.S. citizens because they get checked less driving trucks across. That's what he said. So the Republicans, well, the House just left and left town, but the Republicans in the Senate said, "All right, let's talk. We want the wall. We want to rewrite the asylum laws. I think we should do." immigration reform with four basic parts. One, yeah, I have no problem building a wall. I don't think it's going to solve much, but I think the left has to give something. Fine, build a wall. Second, for the people who are here that are undocumented, if you can show you're paying taxes, you're working, your kids are in school, and you're you're following all the rules, you get a temporary card, you go to the end of the line, you pay a fine, no amnesty, you pay a fine, but you go into the end of the line, you're on the path to citizenship. Anyone who doesn't step forward for those cards, we go out and try to arrest them. It's a much smaller group. We assume those are the bad guys. We try to get them. We say to the employers, if you hire anyone who doesn't have one of these cards or isn't a U.S. citizen, we're going to punish you as if you're an illegal alien because right now all the employers are hiring these people. Third thing we do is we sit down with the business interests. We sit down with the agriculture interests, the construction interests, and say, listen, let's come up with a plan to bring some workers in. Let them leave if they want to, if they rather than send money home. Right now we're holding them in, not holding them out. Let's set up a program like we've always done to have those workers. Next thing we do, 
for people who want to come here for asylum, we limit to be eligible for asylum. We limit the number the number of qualifications you have, and we have hearing officers right at the border. We don't send right, them out so into the world. Let's so that you, is the comprehensive, and I think two-thirds of Americans and two-thirds of Congress would right. support that. So let's say you have the hearing officers there. You're not going to have a chance to build mortar and brick buildings for that. So you have, like, trailers. hundred percent. Right? Right. I don't think it needs to be fancy. All right, so you have a hearing officer there. They listen to the plea for asylum. And we know, based on what happens in many cases when they eventually reach the federal court system, that people are denied and they're deported. What do you say to them as they've just made it past the Rio Grande, they're in your trailer, the hearing is taking place, and you turn them down? Yeah. Now now they have to go back across well, the Rio here, Grande? No, here's the, here's the crazy, one of the things that needs to change in the law. You know, there's two things, that, there are three things that happen. One is you get deported if we have a relationship with that country. We put them back on a plane. That's part of our relationship with that country. We have a treaty that if your people are here illegally or our people are illegally there, you send them home. But there's two other groups of people. One is a lot of judges will say, yes, you're not eligible for asylum, but I'm not going to sign a deportation order. I'm going to leave you in kind of this limbo land. I think we should take the ability of judges to do that. You're either in or you're out. You can't be in limbo kind of waiting because it's two separate process. One is you're eligible for asylum. The next is deportation. I think you combine them. But the third, really, the toughest problem is Venezuela. We, your team, my team, we all were together. We said, let's put the hammer down on Maduro, the socialist country in Venezuela. Let's have sanctions. Let's collapse their economy. We don't have a relationship with Venezuela right now. We have nowhere to deport them. You can't just put them on a plane and say, we hope that they can land somewhere. It won't work. That's a real problem. I hate to say this because I'm no big fan of Maduro either, but I think we have to sit down with Maduro and say, listen, you got to take your people back. So that's right. When you pass the Venezuelan consulate right near Fifth Avenue, across from St. Patrick's Cathedral, it's boarded up as if it's an abandoned building in the South Bronx in the 1970s with the Venezuelan flag still <laughs> flying. But the consulate is closed. It's been closed since 2019. Now, we had Hugo Chavez on the ropes. Remember, we forced him to leave. He left at the time. He was uh, the leader of Venezuela for like 72 hours. We basically uh, launched a coup d'etat. He then flew back in 72 hours. He took back over. So that's number one. We uh, supported what we call the attempt at democratic uh, um, principles to persevere over Maduro, who had been a bus driver in Caracas, but was like Hugo Chavez's number one fan. So he got elevated to become president. We never pulled the trigger on that, swapping out one government for the other government. So now what the hell do we do with Venezuela since it is an oil producer? It sits on more oil in the Western Hemisphere than any other country. And yet it has allied itself now with Russia, China, and Iran. And Cuba. Hey, can I ask you, you're, you're the closest thing I have to a representative of the Republican Party. How come when you, we brought down or put pressure on Castro in Cuba and the Cubans came here, it was the Republicans saying, we welcome you with open arms. The Mariolitos, yeah. Yeah, we're, you're all, oh, we love you. We don't like the Haitians so much, but we love you. Right, right. Venezuela is exactly the same. It was a socialist country that collapsed. The people coming here, how come the Republicans aren't saying, you're our lancemen, you want to escape socialism just like we do, you're our people, welcome, come on in. Instead, you're pissing all over them. 
You should love these people. Because you don't really have a Venezuelan lobby here like you had the Cuban lobby in southern Florida and uh, Bobby Menendez in Hudson County along Bergen Line Avenue. You know, when I listen to when I listen to Greg Kelly and some of the Republican hosts on the radio say, oh, the Democrats have this plan. They want to bring in all these people to make more Democratic voters. These people that come from these socialist and communist countries vote Republican. They don't vote. We thought when the people moved to Brighton Beach and Sheepshead Bay in Brooklyn – after uh, after Glasnost and after um, the fall of Russia, we're like, oh, yeah, they're going to love democratic values. They wanted to come here, and, and they loved Ronald Reagan, who stood up to the Russian bear. Oh, they're, 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 they're hardcore Republicans. And But nowadays, immigration, which used to be something Republicans so, were, were let me, into. Let me think of that. Because right now, Americans are in favor of Venezuelans uh, coming in who can play baseball for their favorite <laughs> major league teams. That's why I said when we put up the tents on Randall's Island, which covered the soccer fields, and they're mostly Venezuelans there, we should at least hold tryouts. The Yankees should hold tryouts there. Uh, the Mets should hold tryouts. Because a lot, of, a lot of Venezuelans, like Cubans, they love baseball. They play baseball. We have a pipeline back and forth to Venezuela now. Where Venezuelans who play during the major league season and make a lot of money go back and live the rest of the time in Venezuela. So let me give some thought to this. Maybe baseball can resolve this like it did in Cuba for a while, like it did in the Dominican Republic. Yeah. Like possibly it can in Venezuela. Maybe baseball can actually break the diplomatic paralysis between us and Venezuela and certainly us and the continuation with Cuba, to me, which makes absolutely no sense. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Let us be the first. Anthony Weiner, yours truly, Curtis Lee, with the breaking news today is that in the midst of all the problems we have in the city, migrant issues, Hamash nutniks, uh, the upcoming dropping of the ball in uh, in Times Square, a, a whole scenario of problems, the mayor decided to announce, and it's going to requ- require a new uh, acronym here because uh, I don't think this is going to fly, uh, uh, Anthony Weiner. He calls it CURE, <laughs> Coordinating a United Resolution with Establishments, and establishments uh, means, you know, gin mills, nightclubs, uh, restaurants, and such. So the new initiative because he is a nightlife mayor, is that instead of the police, the local police department coming in and issuing uh, violations and citations uh, to a club or a restaurant and a gin mill, they ought to first come in and have a sit-down with the owners and operators to discuss what the problems are. This has been signed off by Eddie Caban, who has been the missing in action police commissioner that nobody has found. Right away, I pointed it out. He should have recused himself because his brother owns the liquor license for Consofrito. He's a co-owner, and that's uh, that's a club that has an infamous. Well, we don't know. We don't know if he's if if either one of them is involved in this effort, right? Well, if the police commissioner is just, it doesn't look good. Doesn't look good. Recuse yourself. Let the mayor do it. The mayor is already knee deep uh, in situations where he has come to the aid of people that he feels are operating in the best interests of the city. Let it be a city hall initiative. Stay the hell out of it, police commissioner. Is the first C committee committee on what's the name of this again? No, oh boy, this is a tough Commission? one. Cure, cure, as it's called. What's the first? Uh, let's let's what does see. The C it's stand the acronym for? coordinating. 
a united resolution with establishments. So it's a it's a verb to start with. What a weird thing. But here's here's the thing to look out for that you get. He's going to start appointing people to serve on it, quote unquote, air quotes. And they're going to be donors. Watch. Exactly. I think that's going to happen. And again, for those of uh, us who are veterans of the city, uh, the mayor of the city of New York, uh, formerly uh, Rudy Giuliani, follows. Uh, He imposed a lot of these restrictions coming out of an era in which there was so much violence. No, 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 no. no. That's not true. They had existed going back for years, but no no one ever enforced them. One of the big things that Rudy did when he was mayor is he went deep into the toolbox of things that hadn't been enforced before and started doing them. But this was something like they, they, like not dancing was not a recent thing. It was something that went back to like the 30s or something. But yeah, well, yeah. that was very puritanical, very puritanical. Hogs and heifers at cabarets at uh, restaurants. If you put a quarter or 50 cents in the jukebox, yeah. you, you couldn't get up and dance. Under Mayor Giuliani, you couldn't dance and you couldn't have ferrets. Those are the two things. that Remember someone called in about a ferret on the radio? Right, but... Uh, imposing these restrictions on clubs are important because those of us that went through the era of the NAP Commission where they rooted out the corruption in the police department, part of it was the local precinct would go in to the bar, the gin mill, the nightclub, the restaurant, and then if you gave them a scattered sandwich, basically dead presidents and a loaf of Italian bread wrapped up, they would all of a sudden have amnesia as to why they were there. Thank you. This is going to help with my kids' college education. It became a breeding ground for corruption. So it now seems that the Eric Adams administration wants to go all the way back to the way it was. It didn't work then, and it won't work now. And Why the hell would you do this now where you're being investigated by the U.S. Attorney's Office of the Eastern District, the FBI? I mean... To know these kind of guys and gals in their business, this sends up their periscopes. Uh, listen, first, yes, I agree. I, I think anytime, you know, I, my, my brother Jason used to have restaurants in, in New York City and also in Florida. And I said, what are some of the differences the way they do business? And I said, well, in Florida, they give you a warning when they're going to come inspect so you can get your act together a little bit. And I said, well, when they do the warning, is it a warning that's especially supposed to be accompanied by a cheeseburger with a side of $20 bills? Is that how that warning works? I, I think it's a mistake by the mayor to be doing this now. I do. Especially. Absolutely. Anyway, uh, it's been great, Anthony Weiner. We've uh, taken, we've touched on a number of subjects that normally aren't necessarily spoken about in talk radio. All of this uh, due to the Red Apple, Red Apple Audio Network. I keep mentioning WABC, our place to be, the number one station in the nation. I don't give a damn. I'm proud to be with WABC. If you don't want me here, take me off the freaking he air. almost held it together. ABC, he almost held always it together. broadcasting Curtis. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences 
services in the industry. Call now or go to prioritygold.com. 